Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, this week we've got uh, a lot of good news for us. So uh, it's going to be a fun episode. Uh, but I'm going to start with an update on our Patreon. We've updated the levels, so it'll only cost you now five bucks to get access to all of our bonus episodes, which are all really fun. And you'll also get access to our Discord server so you can come talk about them. Uh, well, it's not our server. You get access to our special channel on the, the Bayesian Conspiracy server. And no one else can see what you do in that one. That's right. It's, it's, it's uh, patrons only. So you guys can talk about all the, the bonus episodes and how great they are. Yeah. No one else can butt into your conversation. And you can talk about the transgenders without getting canceled. <laughs> no, no, you'll still get canceled. But it'll only be by it'll be by fewer people. It'll only be by people that paid money to us for the privilege of stalking and canceling you. <laughs> exactly. So we're okay with that. All right. Uh, so we got some feedback from last episode. Um, and David, do you want to talk about that? Uh, so the email uh, comes to us from Aaron Bell, and uh, uh, he was a sometime listener, first-time writer, uh, here from the HPMOR podcast by way of the Bayesian Conspiracy. Thank you, Aaron. We're happy to have you. Um, and he had a correction for what we said about Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who was uh, arrested in Kenosha for... Um, shooting some people and who we think is likely to get off on uh, self-defense um, defenses. Uh, that was some awkward verbiage there. Uh, turns out there's another Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin who has a criminal record having to do with uh, guns and using guns while impaired. And the criminal record I saw that I talked about extensively last episode was the other Kyle Rittenhouse, who is 31 and not 17, so definitely different people. Um, the actual 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse everyone's talking about is not a great guy. He's, he seems to be a bit of a bootlicker going by some social media posts. But he does not seem to have any criminal record that uh, that um, we know about, and there's no reason to believe that there's one we don't know about. I am deeply sorry for that. Uh, I saw it shared on Facebook by one of my much less reliable friends, and I should have noted that it was an unreliable source and discounted it uh, accordingly. I did not... Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. And now your lesson is everyone's lesson. Yes, now it is. All right. So I've uh, I've made an attempt here to uh, to order our news from from worst news to best news. Um, so we're going to start out with a the the worst story of the last two weeks, um, which is from Hong Kong and Dave, or not from. Hong Kong. It's the worst news from the last couple weeks, which is from China. And David, do you want to tell us about that? Yes. So, um, Disney recently put out its live action remake of Mulan. It was and, bad. yep, I, I am told it was bad. 
I did not watch it because fuck that. Uh, I watched that, it. It was bad. And that was my opinion before I learned about all the tomfuckery I'm about to tell you about. So strap in. Um, so in the uh, credits for Mulan, they, as you do, thank all of the various government organizations that uh, gave permission to them per- to film. Among these was the regional uh, CCP authority for the Zhangqing province. That authority is the one that is building and maintaining and filling the Uyghur re-education camps that we have discussed here several times. This is uh, what is generally known to today's youth as a bad look for an American company to thank literally the exact entity in the Chinese government that's doing a genocide. That that does seem pretty bad, yeah. Um, Indeed. I, I, I mentioned this before, I don't think it's that unusual for a company to do what they have to to do business with a giant government, like Ford was down with the Nazis when they were making cars for them. Yeah, so it's still bad, though, that ideally they wouldn't do that. Do we know if this is, like, a rare thing? Do other companies not do business in this part of China? I, it is a very big thing in Hollywood to do special stuff to include uh, Chinese representation so that they can get distribution in China. Because, one, that's a huge population, and two, the Chinese government demands it. Yeah, I did know about that. I'm just wondering if this in particular is something that, that other um, businesses or, or even other movie studios aren't doing. Yeah, so this is... Uh, something that's fairly atypical because uh, uh, Xiangqing is not um, uh, it's not like one of the cool sexy places that uh, people want to film like adventures movies and stuff that tends to be more in coastal China uh, Xiangqing has the benefit of um, let's say being very realistic to the story being told which is a good segue into my galaxy brain theory about this movie, if you guys would like to go that way. Of course oh, we, we absolutely do. Yeah, so I have a feeling that it's not a coincidence that, of all times, Disney chose now to put out a movie that's about Han Chinese killing religious and ethnic minorities from the East. Or West, sorry. Um, I'm not saying that this is the watered-down, high-budget corporate version of Triumph of the Wills for the 21st (laughs) century, but I'm not saying it's not. So the, is the, the religious uh, group from the West the bad guys in the Mulan movie? I didn't see it either. Yes, they are. Um, Ah. it's actually, if I understand right, which I haven't looked super deeply into this, but I think that the actual group uh, that they're fighting against is like the long time ago precursor to the modern Uyghurs. Um, wow. I haven't, I have not independently verified that. Um, and like, you could, like, they do have some plausible cover for that because, like, now it because in the original movie you'll remember they were fighting the huns which that is the completely wrong group of horse archers from the steppes the huns are the ones that smashed the roman empire 
on the other side of the Eurasian continent, but the group they're fighting is the group that they were actually fighting in, like, the original Chinese folktale of Mulan. Uh, I will leave as an exercise to the reader to, um, figure out how much of that is just, like, them trying to be more historically accurate versus how much of them is... It, how much of it is Disney producing uh, propaganda for uh, totalitarian regimes genocide? So, counterpoint, I mm-hmm. watched that entire movie, and I couldn't tell you who the bad guys are. Um, I, th- I thought they were Mongolians, but only because the bad guy's last name is Khan. Um, but there is not much in there about like who these guys are. They're They're... Typical Disney villain villains, and that they're just like, oh, here's some guys. They're bad. Uh, what yeah. I really want to know was, did Eddie Murphy play Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy was not in the film. What? His, char- his his character was completely taken out. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. No, if you want to know why this movie was bad, really, you you couldn't do better than just going to watch the pitch meeting for it. Okay. <laughs> it it basically hits all the covers all the bases on that. Oh, I, I'm certainly disappointed in Disney, but I am sad to say that I am not surprised. Yeah. Yeah, so the good thing about Mulan is uh, it's been getting so much bad press for, uh, you know, supporting the, the genocides that the Chinese national press has actually banned discussion of uh, the Mulan movie. So, oh my god! Oh no. <laughs> Oh, swing and a miss, Disney. <laughs> yeah, right? Can, can, uh, they, can they still say it's out there? Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, I th- like, I don't think the movie itself is being censored, but the Chinese press is not allowed to talk about it, apparently. Um, which, like, I feel like the theme that's emerging of this episode is that we really do live in the stupidest of all possible <laughs> timelines. <laughs> We do. Oh, you don't know. Wait till our next episode. Something stupider will probably happen. Yeah. All right. Next story. As you've probably heard, California is on fire. Um, And it got so bad that a lot of places in uh, Northern California had orange sky. Um, And it looked basically like a hellscape. (laughs) And all the photos I saw. Um, and, um, David has a, has an article for us that we'll share in the show notes about how we actually know how to prevent this sort of thing. Um, David, if you want to tell us about that. Yeah. So basically the environment of California and the West coast in general is meant to burn like the, like the, it's just part of how the ecosystem developed that. Uh, burning is an essential part of keeping it healthy. Then something called the gold rush happened. Uh, you may have heard of it. Uh, there was a lot of clear cutting during the gold rush, uh, followed by a policy of, as the article, as someone quoted in the article so eloquently puts it, put the wet stuff on the red stuff, uh, <laughs> where basically wildland firefighters in California. Uh, have a policy of putting out fires everywhere and anywhere they happen. And this has led to an accumulation of essentially kindling 
all over California. Um, from up for about a hundred years worth of flammable material that hasn't been burning. And, uh, sometimes there are fires started from fallen power lines, lightning strikes, what have you, and then the entire state catches fire. Because, as I mentioned, it's covered in a hundred years worth of accumulated kindling. And there has been some, um measures put in place to try to fix this problem, but those measures are just, uh, at best, they're making it so that this problem doesn't get any worse. And, but we still have a hundred years of accumulated kindling covering all of California. And, uh, so what we really need to do is we need to be proactively burning off this stuff so that in controlled burns, so that when there is a wildfire, it only leads to a small part of the state catching fire instead of the entire thing. And, uh, in fact, we should probably just let most fires burn unless they're threatening human lives or property. But, for one thing, controlled burns are human-created events which means they need to conform with envi- with California's uh, environmental regulations around air quality, which means at best we can burn like maybe 10,000 square feet a year when we need to be burning something like a million. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but the article we'll link to in the show notes has them. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I just, our- I just saw it said between 4.4 and 11.8 million acres per year in prehistoric California burned. Yes. Uh, that's not the, um, that's not the amount we need to be burning now, but, um, but even if we do burn the, um, let fires burn where, um, human lives and property aren't at risk, then we still have the problem of California having some really dumb fuck fire insurance policies, which basically incentivize people to build in fire-prone areas, where no reasonable person would ever build because the insurance premium would be way too high, uh, absent those policies. So... Did they, like, subsidize the policies or something? Yeah, basically, if you have, if you are, if your fire burns in a, uh, in, like, a disaster situation, I can't remember what the exact verbiage is, then the California state government will underwrite your insurance claim. Ah. And that is de facto a giant subsidy. Uh, Texas actually has something, uh, similar that leads to a bunch of people building in floodplains, and so every time a hurricane comes through Texas, there's way, way, way more damage and death than there needs to be because um, people are paid to build on floodplains. Um, but yeah, uh, we ba- basically, the megafires in California are made by bad policy. Like, there's no two ways around that. The last thing I heard about the fire insurance policies in California was that the state government uh, about a year ago put a moratorium on uh, canceling these policies because the insurance companies uh, took a look at the situation last summer 
with the giant fires and said, this is getting out of hand. We can't insure these homes anymore. And the state of California put a one-year moratorium on rescinding these policies. But that's expiring soon, so it's possible that we could be seeing the insurance situation there change soon, although they could just, you know, pass a new law that, that doesn't allow these policies to be rescinded. So we'll see. I I'm going to... I'm sorry. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the stupid government of California will continue to be stupid. Um, but fingers crossed, I guess. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, uh, it occurs to me you could you could get around this. You, th- there certainly are, you know, humanitarian concerns with telling people, you know, I I know you've had this house. You know, we we encourage you to move into this area. Um, and now we're just leaving you, uh, out to, out to dry or burn as it were. Um, but I, I think you could certainly say new construction doesn't have to be insured. So when a house burns down, you know, you don't rebuild it. You say, okay, well that house was in a fire zone, so you can rebuild the house, but it can't be there. You you put it somewhere else. Um, now this story uh, so this story from uh, about about how to prevent these fires actually surprised me because I was under the impression that everyone knew this already. Um, the, and that starting in the '90s, certainly the federal government has been doing this in national parks. Right. That's that's what I was trying to say too. I've I've been aware of this for God at least ten, maybe fifteen years. Have they not implemented this policy, or is there just too much accumulated tin- kindling to burn, or what's going on? Yeah, so they're so they've reversed some of the policies from like the last ten years or so. But like I said, we've had these uh, stop every single fire policies for a hundred years, and like basically the way that like the way that the environment is structured is like the way you get rid of this kindling is by having it burn off. Like it won't. It won't naturally, like, turn into loam as readily as in, like, pine forests uh, out east. What the national parks are doing is just not um, not putting out all the fires that naturally occur. Um, as far as I know, nobody's, nobody's doing proactive controlled burns. So we're going to be stuck with this problem for a while still. I mean, it's not just that we're going to be stuck with it. It's because this kindling doesn't go away on its own... Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to be stuck with it for as long as the policy is in place. Like, uh, it, it's just, like, accumulating and accumulating, and it's going to keep accumulating until it burns off, either by us putting some sort of sensible policy in place and having it burned off in a somewhat controlled manner, or the entire West Coast catching fire. We'll see. This is why we put this in the bad news section. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any more comments about this? Yeah. Don't move to California. And if you live in California, move somewhere else. They have a bad government that's bad, and you shouldn't have to suffer under that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but they have really nice weather. <sighs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next story. Uh, Eniash, this one was yours. You were going to tell us about Jessica Krug. Yes, Jessica Krug is the wrong kind of trans, and so she has self-canceled preemptively. Uh, Jessica Krug is, uh, who was the other person? Rachel does... 
Rachel Dolezal. Dolezal, okay. Was the uh, transracial uh, lady from, I think, last year that got outed and humiliated. And the uh, new, new one is Jessica Krug. Jessica Krug or Krug, I'm not sure, is a professor over at George Washington University. Uh, often wrote about uh, racial issues and uh, most recently identified as uh, like a Puerto Rican Caribbean mix of black and turns out she was not born that way and so uh, now everyone is out to get her and I don't know I don't know if people on the right really care that much I think they more laugh about it but it's it's a lot the people on the left who are like we were betrayed how could anyone uh, do this sort of thing and I, I find it really really stupid and infuriating that you know that since she's the wrong kinds of trans this, this is a thing that uh, it's still cool to attack people about and I'm going to come right out and say that I think in 20 years this sort of thing is going to look just as bad as the final act of um, Ace Ventura, which aside from being a absolutely hilarious movie for most of it, has uh, the the final act is basically one long transphobia joke, which even in the late 90s I thought was pushing it, but at, you could still get a movie based on that out. And nowadays it's just like wow that. That's a lot of great humor right up until the end where there's just massive transphobia. And 20 years from now, people are going to be like, wow, those those motherfuckers who thought they were all woke canceling trans people because they were transracial rather than transgender is a, is a thing that they're all going to be embarrassed about. And this is one of the reasons I wish to live forever, just to see people <laughs> have their own mistakes rubbed in their faces 20 years down the line. Uh, live forever for spite. Exactly. This story it was a little different than Rachel Dolezal, just because Jessica Krug uh, canceled herself, basically. Yes. Um, Rachel Dolezal, somebody like found out, found her white parents, and was like, "Hey, this is a white lady. What is she doing?" Jessica Krug, like I, I have, I don't really feel sorry for her because she was like, "I did this and it was wrong, and I'm canceling myself, and I'm terrible." And, you know, everyone else is, is just kind of like, yeah, okay, we agree. I, I think the speculation is that, like, someone was uh, was collecting dirt on her and was going to go public with it, so she preemptively got out in front of it. All right, but if, if, if she's not going to defend herself, then I, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Nah, uh, it, just... sounds like, it sounds like she's, you know, drunk on the same woke Kool-Aid as everyone else. Um, so I, I, it's hard to think of her as a victim here, except in the sense that you think of cult, cult members as victims. So I guess she is. Right. Well, and she's not, um, entirely without, uh, sin. She did apparently make some false, uh, false racist attack claims. Like, you know, all of a sudden there were lots of hate crimes happening when uh, she moved to a town because she would just report fake ones. Uh, not often, oh, but you know, often enough to increase the stats. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I agree that basically you could take any argument for, res for for respecting someone's transgender identity and map it onto their racial identity. And it, it, it certainly seems like it has the same force to me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if, I... if if somebody wants to identify as another race, I don't I don't see what people's big problem with that is. It, it, and every argument I hear about it sounds like it would be a. Uh, a, an argument not to respect people's gender identity right so I, I don't get it and i'm i'm firmly of the opinion that 
you know, we should respect people's uh, whatever identity they want to have. Um, I don't, I don't really think it hurts anybody. I just like by far the the um, postmodern position I'm most sympathetic to is the idea of being post-racial, post-gender, etc. Like, yeah. y- yes, please, let's do that. Like, like sure. for fuck's sake, what happened to? content of their character and not the color of their skin <laughs> oh sorry Please. you lose 18 internets for quoting martin luther king you are the wrong skin color to quote him sir right sorry i keep forgetting that fuck i hate i hate this timeline can we go, can we go to a different pl- part of the multiverse please this one sucks <laughs> I, I would love to be both post-sex and post-race. Um, I, I would say that, like, if someone who was absolutely just, like, white in every regard went around saying that uh, they were black, I would also be on the side of being like, no, I don't care what you're saying. I'm not going to respect your identity as black. But if you go through all the trouble of, like, darkening your skin and and doing your hair up and living this life as a black person, then yeah, you've, you obviously are, uh, are doing what you can to. Yeah. It's one thing if somebody's living their life as a white person and then going into black spaces and being like, Hey, I'm a black person now. Right. But yeah. it doesn't seem like that's what any of these people were doing. Also, Inyash, when you said you wanted to be post-sex, I really wanted a 90s sitcom dad to come in and be like, I'm post-sex. I'm married. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wes, I, Wes, I think now that you have a child, you need to be the 90s sitcom dad you wish to see in the world. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not claiming that's not happening. Dad jokes, they, only for our patrons. Yeah, <laughs> it's Patreon only content. Yeah, but like, what really pisses me off is like we have a law that says you're not supposed to discriminate positively or negatively on the basis of race. So can we please have a national conversation about how if she did get some material benefits for being a race other than white uh either in tr- in fact or in how she presents herself that like there should be heads rolling for that cuz that's literally illegal that doesn't actually reflect a uh a, a an accurate statement of the law oh um yeah no in some situations you are permitted to uh, engage in affirmative action um, and it, there are there are certain rules that the Supreme Court has put on it. Like it has to be sort of a part of a comprehensive evaluation, but you are allowed to take race into account. Well, then the law is bad and should be changed. <laughs> well. I, I also, you know, I support the George Washington University's decision that like if they're going to hire an African studies instructor, they want to hire one that socially presents as uh, African descent, maybe. It, it, it seems like one of those freedom to choose who you hire things to me. I mean, sure, I'm all for freedom to choose who you hire, but if we're going to have rules that say you're free to choose who you can hire, but don't make that determination on the basis of race, I would like that determination to not be made on the basis of race, please. Yeah. Certainly a consistent position. Yeah. Uh, also, like... 
In general, I'm not sure how much credence I give to the argument that, like, you can't really um, accurately teach or discuss black experiences unless you yourself are black. Because, like, that's just, like, the radical individualist in me. Like, you, you can't discuss someone's experiences authentically unless you are that person. So, like... Unless we want to say that Jessica Krug can only teach Jessica Krug studies where she tells the students about her own personal life story, <laughs> we need to accept some compromise uh, and some degree of outside view. Yeah. So, like, it, like, saying that that line happens to be drawn around race, sex, transgender status, whatever, and not, like how generally empathic you are as a person or whatever just seems fundamentally misguided to me. Yeah, and I think that's one of those positions that I always think, like, nobody really believes that, or, like, very few people do. And it's mostly used as a kludge to to, um, increase representation. Like, I I think if we lived in a world where um, black teachers were well represented in every field of study then no one would be uh, upset if a non-African teacher was teaching African studies. Um, I think that's something people get upset about now because they're like, well, look, you're, you're keeping black professors out of all these other jobs. Can they at least have the, the job where they teach about black people? Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm very sympathetic uh, to, to your argument there, um, but I think that, you know, in, in, in the glorious post-racial future... That will probably not be an issue because I, I really don't think anyone anyone really believes that you you can't um, discuss some uh, an experience of uh, unless you are that identity. And universities yeah. are currently in the business of providing prestigious credentials, and a university that can have an actual black descended person teaching their African in uh, studies classes is going to have more prestigious credential giving power than those who are stuck hiring you know a white person for that job. I agree. School is bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that story does make sense, but like, it seems like that's a problem we should solve by you know having more professors teaching fields that aren't bullshit. Because like, <laughs> it, to, to certain to a certain extent, it almost feels more problematic to me saying like the white professors can teach physics and economics and so on, and the black professors can teach black people classes. That's certainly an argument. Um, And to the extent that that is happening, I think all all sides would probably agree that that's dumb. Yeah. Although, if you want to, you know, fill a number of quotas and you can somehow get yourself to uh, turn gay and go transsex and transracial, you would be, you know... Really good hire for someone. <laughs> Quotas are, in fact, illegal. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't mean they don't happen. Anyway, <laughs> this is a good, I think this is a good um, uh, segue into our next story. Eniash, you were going to tell us about um, something that, that was going on in France. Something that was going on in France. That's the title of a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> Pauline Hermange, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, she's a French writer and uh, some wave of feminist, I'm not sure exactly which one, but she's published a treatise on hating men, and it's called, uh, translated as, I Hate Men. Well, that's uh, a good title for it. Yeah, right? 
and it you know basically is the the I'm assuming the standard um, arguments she did uh, quote saying you know 99% of uh, violent domestic uh, convictions are men um, no 96% sorry 99% are those convicted of sexual violence anyways uh, it, it's it's not anything that unusual. The print run was done at a micro-publisher of a few hundred uh, copies and probably would have faded into forever because this is all stuff we more or less already know and uh, some of us may already feel sympathetic to, whatever. But it turns out, in France, they have laws against hate speech. This is actually a problem throughout a lot of Europe. Um, I mean, I understand it in Germany because they specifically had a Nazi problem there at one point. Uh, but uh, France and a lot of European countries have specific laws against types of speech. They don't have nearly the same freedom of speech as we do. And France has one specifically about you cannot uh, promote hate based upon people's sex or gender. And so the head of the government agency that is in charge of gender equality stuff and making sure that these laws aren't broken uh, wrote to say that he is, what is the exact client? I would like to remind you that incitement to hatred on the basis of sex is a criminal offense. Consequently, I ask you to immediately remove this book from your catalog under penalty of criminal prosecution. I'm assuming since it says from your catalog, then he sent this to the publisher. Anyways, uh, the combined reaction from the publisher and the writer, and I guess the woke left in France, was the surprised Pikachu face. Because they were like, how, how could an agency who is dedicated to equality of sexes possibly say that I Hate Men is a bad book which should be banned. And uh, after that, after this news went uh, out, uh, it sort of went viral. They had a sellout of the print run, put a second print run. The publisher has said they cannot publish anymore because they are a very small house. So they've sold out at 2,500 copies, which is not very much in terms of total copies sold. But, you know, for a small publisher like this is a huge amount. Um, and... All in all, I'm just like, this This is this is crazy. Like, she has a right to say she hates men, at least in my view. Like, who cares? And France should not have made that stupid law. And then these people should not be surprised that their book about inciting hatred based on sex would get caught up in that law. And the whole thing is just a stupidest timeline uh, support piece of evidence. So if uh, if saying you hate men is illegal, somebody needs to tell all my Facebook friends who are still, still posting Men Are Trash. So, but are they posting that in France? I'm Probably not. See? Yeah, they're fine. All right. Yeah, so I, I think the lesson we've all learned from this is, uh, Inyash, for the next book that you publish on Dead Trees, you uh -huh. need to have, like, some tear-out pages or something where you explain your views on transgender people, <laughs> and then you'll sell a million copies. Oh, my God. Uh, perfect. Um, I'd also like to add that, um, you know, all the, the press this book has been getting is uh, seemingly part of the problem here, which makes us part of the problem. That's a good uh, point. So uh, congratulations, us. The Mind Killer, part of the problem. <laughs> Brilliant new tagline. <laughs> all right. And our last story in the bad news section um, this was a story that was originally in the good news section, but I moved it to bad news because it has a, a sad ending. Um, the Virginia House, um, and they have a House and Senate just like the national government does. The House passed a law ending qualified immunity for police. Um, Yay! It, yeah, hooray! But it came out today that the Senate 
has effectively killed it. Um, they they voted it down, and there are plans to bring it up in their next session, um, which is next year, and put a you know do a do a committee study on it. But uh, it's not. I'm I'm not I'm not expecting that to go anywhere. Um, so I'm very sad that the uh, the Senate did not end up passing it because um, you know as we said have said many many times on the show, uh, qualified immunity is one of the biggest problems with policing in America and ending it would but on its own do a lot to improve the situation. Yeah. Virginia is a bad state. That's bad. I definitely could have told you that before this happened. Uh, it's not as bad as California because we don't have a law that requires the state catch fire every year or so, but it's still pretty bad. I kind of want to have like a master file now of all the states that David says is bad. Because I'm pretty sure we won't find one that he says is good. Um, yes, hmm. this is a challenge. Are there good states? Um, well, that libertarian revolution kind of fizzled out in New Hampshire, so probably not. Yeah, free state. So if the free state project ever worked, New Hampshire would be probably pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, and not uh, not exactly holding my breath on that front. You because know what? humans are bad at coordination. You know what state is surprisingly good? What's South that? Dakota. Huh, how come? It's got well it's got Mount Rushmore, which is cool. Um sure. it's got Bank like to differ, but okay. I'm just, it's like you know, it's got a whole little park around it. It's a fun time. It's got the Badlands, which are super awesome. They sound kinda bad. No, they're not bad though. They're they're great. They should be called the Great Lands. <laughs> um, they're they're like really fun to walk around in. It's like a very weird geological uh, uh, configuration. Um, the they're they're like kind of made of little pebbles all stuck together. It's really cool. And there's like one highway that goes across the entire state, and right in the middle is a thing called Wall Drug. Oh, I I am familiar with Wall Drug entirely due to um, Scott Alexander's novel. Oh, yeah. And then, like, so, like, for 150 miles in either direction on that highway, you'll see signs for Wall Drug. And it's just, it's it's this kind of dumb place. It's just, it's like a drugstore and a restaurant and, like, a gift shop. And there's, like, dinosaurs uh, around. Not living ones, sadly. Um, But it's just, like, this kitschy little place. But it's just funny driving down the highway. You see all these signs for Wall Drug starting 150 miles away. And there's nothing else. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Colorado is a pretty heckin' good state. That's I, fine. I do love Colorado. All right. Fine. Anyway, back to the news. All right. Yes. That that concludes our bad news section. Um, in the in the middle soft. here, in the middle here, we're going to do our uh, COVID nineteen news. We've got some good news and some bad news on that score. Um, and the good news is that a the first controlled study came out studying vitamin D's effects on COVID-19, and it seems to be like almost a miracle cure. Um, it is incredibly effective. Uh, the, the studies they did before this uh, were not controlled. They were just retrospective, but they were it was something like 85 percent of all everyone who had died from COVID-19 had a vitamin D deficiency. Um, when the, the base rate in the population is high, but it's, it's under 50%. Um, so, so was the reason that no one who went outside that died, got COVID because they got all that vitamin D? From it's, sun? it's possible. What the fuck? Um, but there is, so they did a, an actual controlled trial 
where they had and it was a, a tiny sample size so it's not you know the, it's it's not that highly powered to study but but the effect size was just huge they had 50 people in the uh, study group and i think 36 or uh yeah 30 something in the control group and nobody in the treatment group got uh admitted to the icu half the people in the control group did and two of them died uh, so, and I, you know, I read this on, uh, Zvi's blog, like always. So, uh, go read Zvi's blog. Um, and as, as he likes to say, none of this is medical advice, but, uh, you know, consider taking a vitamin D supplement. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. Get a bunch of people, throw money at them, and then pump some pull of vitamin D, then deliberately expose them. We know how to figure this stuff out. Just do it. Man, that hand clapping meme is really less effective when it's an audio. <laughs> it really is, but still kind of fun. Um, yes, that is the bad news of this, is that no one's actually doing another study. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of left to ourselves to figure it out. Stupidest of all timeline and what i find confusing about this is that uh, look i know the american government is stupid and bad but where are the other countries on this you'd think somebody would would have would have noticed months ago about the vitamin d because we've we had this data months ago and said hey let's uh let's give a bunch of people vitamin d and see what happens why is it why is it if america doesn't do it nobody does it it's almost like when I say governments are bad and everyone else says, but my Germany, but my Norway, they are wrong. And I'm right. Well, is it because America is the only place you can make a ton of money selling drugs because of our crazy drug laws? Like, that's a hell of an incentive to do a lot of drug research. But if other foreign companies developed a COVID-19 cure, they could just sell it to America. Sure, but what's the point of spending a lot of money researching if vitamin D is effective if you can't sell vitamin D at a markup? Like, you can already get it real cheap. Yeah, that's true. If it turns out vitamin D is the cure, uh, it's not, not, not too many people are going to be making money off of that. Although, you know, where's the vitamin D supplement companies? That's Why true. aren't they we researching this? Well, uh, there is that one um, Slate Star Codex post. I think it's like ketamine now by prescription, where the punchline no, is... Sleep. No, the, it, it's a series, and it's the ketamine one that I'm particularly thinking of, where um, he, the punchline is, if people figured out that potatoes cured cancer, then uh, a drug company would soon have a patent for Pataxor, which is chemically and physically <laughs> identical to mashed potatoes, and sell it for $1,000 a dose, and this would be good because they're... They deserve to be rewarded for um, putting mashed potatoes through the sanctified process of science that uh, leads doctors to be able to prescribe things without being sued. So yeah, if it turned out vitamin D cured cancer, then there would be a obscene markup version of um, vitamin D that you could buy by prescription and it would be like available for a ridiculous amount of money that you wouldn't have to pay because stupidest of all possible timelines and then those of us who like pay attention could just get some from the supplement store for way way cheaper but we'd have to pay out of pocket so 
you know, those of us who don't have insurance would do that. Anyway. All right. Well, it's possible yeah. vitamin D uh, provides a robust defense against COVID-19. So uh, use that information how you will. Uh, the next COVID story is, th- and this is something that uh, just like blew my mind. A, th- a study came out said the Sturgis motorcycle rally was responsible for 19% of all COVID-19 cases in August. That's that's crazy. Which I keep hearing about super spreader events, but I, I had no idea that anything was having this big of an effect. So... I, I kind of don't like the way this headline is written, because I think, like, if I remember right, the Sturgis rally was just, like, in the triple digits, which, if that's a fifth of all COVID, then that just means there's not been a lot of COVID in August. But there was a lot of COVID in August. They said it was, I mean, they said it was responsible for 266,000 new cases. Oh, 2,000. Okay, I, for, yeah, for some reason I thought it was, um... Uh, I thought the Sturgis rally was just in, like, the triple digits or something. And that might have been, like, the first round that uh, came out, like, right at the beginning. And now there's more. But, uh, yeah. And okay, the- yeah. Ne- never mind. Complaint withdrawn. And this is in an economics journal, so you know it's true. Yes, you do. You're joking, but also <laughs> Yes. <laughs> According to the Department of Transportation, during the 10-day Sturgis rally, 462,000 people entered Sturgis. Uh, so I think that's a lot more than triple-digit number of people. Yeah. How is that? Ah, oh, God, that's so many people. That's 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 a that's a significant percentage it's of like the everyone who owns population. a motorcycle. Probably. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Oh God, that's half a million people. All right. Well, and that's down 7.5% from last year. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what they were doing in Sturgis, but I'm guessing I it's... I think they may have know. just been, like, breathing on each other. Maybe kissing? Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> guess. There was probably some kissing. Probably lots of drinking and yelling. Um, but yeah, that was just... That's just a number that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, some good news on the COVID front... Um, and this is this. I also found this on Zvi's blog. This is really interesting. The University of Arizona has found a good way of controlling COVID, and they're doing it by testing the wastewater coming out of their dorms. So what they're doing is they're testing everyone before they let them into the dorms, um, and then once the students are in, um, they just test the wastewater. And then as soon as COVID shows up in the wastewater, they um, make everyone get tested again and then just quarantine anyone who tests positive. Um, and this is a really brilliant way to do it because apparently COVID shows up in your shit. Um, and it shows up really quickly after you're infected within like a couple of days. Why did they stick that huge ass thing up your nose when they could just collect some shit? Because stupidest of all timelines. <laughs> Good news! It's a suppository. <laughs> the FDA probably like has policies where if you give someone a poop test, then you get set on fire, by which I mean thrown into California. Well, David, where would you prefer they stick the swab? I mean, that's a good point. But also, <laughs> prob- like, I can just like bring some in a cup. So, I mean, you like, could also bring some snot in a probably cup. Probably but... the uh, still probably the FDA's fault. <laughs> right. Well, you heard it here, folks. The FDA's fault. 
that we're not testing your ass for coronavirus. I'm going to be completely honest. My my ass cavity is slightly larger than my tiny nasal cavity thing. I think I would prefer the Q-tip up to the butt. That is something I did not know about you. Uh, <laughs> I, for one, would uh, definitely prefer the nose swab. It uh, just uh, seems more comfortable. Like, have you seen how far in they have to get that thing? Like, I, they I don't. That's a lie. I, I, I talked I, to someone who had it happen. And I have got, it the... I've gotten a test, and they do not ram it, ram it up there. Oh, maybe I think they were that. at the beginning, but then like they figured out you don't have to do that. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> you got to get it. You got to get it w- way, way up there. <laughs> that's, that's what I was hearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that I, no, that is not true. Okay. It's just fear-mongering. All right. Anyway. That is all right. So that's the last of the COVID news, which means we're on to happy news, and we have a Yay. lot of it. Um, it's a big episode this week. And we're going to start out with uh, something I consider happy news. I know this wasn't happy for some other people, but uh, Trump had a boat parade, and five of the boats sank. Did, which did everyone get off okay? Yeah, yeah, everyone was okay. fine. Yeah, there was no no, no, no injuries other than boats. Ah, all right. And I I really like this story because my mom has a boat and we go out boating all the time and we see all these Trump flags. I don't know what it is about boat people, but they love Trump. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of Trump flags, but what we really need to be paying attention to is the shy Trump boaters. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunate. Unfortunately, I already used a lot of my good puns in the Discord, so uh, <laughs> you're not getting as dramatic a reaction as you should, uh, based on the quality of the puns alone. And well, I, I apologize. Just, for yes, that. had we had we come into this fresh, uh, you would be hearing uproarious laughter right now. I guarantee. I it. have a long-standing hatred of puns, so you probably would have heard boos and hisses from me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, all, all reactions to puns are good reactions to puns. <laughs> it's true. It's what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I've I've not once seen any kind of like liberal flag. No, no Biden flags. No, uh, no, no Hillary flags. Last time, it's only Trump flags. Uh, <laughs> so it it just and you know I always have fantasies of going and uh, like pulling their. Uh, Whatever the thing in the the boat is that uh, that you can unscrew to let the to let it drain, because if you do that in the water, it will sink. Well, yeah. So most of my friends are liberal, and none of them own boats. So story checks out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but apparently, yeah. Just the, you, when you're when you're in a boat, um, a smaller boats can get caught up in larger boats' wakes. And if you don't know how to drive your boat, or you may have been uh, drinking a bit. Um, you can easily stick the nose under the water and sink the boat. And apparently that oh. happened to at five different boats in this parade. Damn. They so. shouldn't have put the biggest boat at the front. Right? But, you know, it's Trump people for you. I wonder what you do when you're like the fifth boat and you've seen the four other boats in front of you all go down in the wake. Why are you like, I'm going to go see if I can ride that I, I wake? Don't, I don't think it was five right in a line. Okay. If it was, though, that would make this an even better <laughs> metaphor for the Trump administration than it really I thought was. it was. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Next story. This is great news. Amazon recently got regulatory approval for drone deliveries. 
fuck yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you needed regulatory approval for that. Of course you do. You need regulatory I, approval for everything. I thought this they didn't America. do it just because they didn't want their drones to get shot out of the sky. Like, what What the hell do you need a drone license for? Inyash. Stupidest yeah. of <laughs> all timelines. Even in the happy news segment, you can't get away. <laughs> Right, well, but yeah, they got the approval. They got approval, so soon instead of a person delivering your package, because who wants that? You can have a nice flying robot do it. Next, you're gonna tell me they're gonna approve non-horses to pull these carriages around. Oh please, Let's get out of here with your Star Wars. <laughs> uh, all right. Next bit of happy news is that Maine, in the upcoming presidential election. Um, and this is not actually news because they approved this like uh, almost four years ago. But it's actually happening is that they're going to be using ranked choice voting in the presidential election. Nice. Uh, which uh. which is you know uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk amongst policy wonks and other people like people on our Discord that um, you know about what what is the best voting system and ranked choice voting doesn't get a lot of love. Um, cer- certainly not the instant runoff, um, but it is. Everyone agrees it's better than first past the post. So it's a step in the right direction, at the very least. It is. It is a low tier trash voting system, not as Damn. trash as first past the post, but it is pretty low tier. Well, any step forward is a good step. Yeah, it's a certainly certainly better than first past the post. It allows actual um, viable third parties, and it allows people to vote for. Uh, parties that aren't the main two um, without fear that they are helping the other side win. I guess it's no Smith set voting system? Uh, approval voting is the one I like most because you don't need to redesign ballots, but yeah. I, I don't actually know what the Smith set voting system is. I just learned of it a few days ago from reading Worth the Candle, so, you know, that's the great thing about rationalist fiction. You always learn new things, and then you only learn it in enough detail to remember the name without actually being able to explain it. I mean, ah, everyone nice. knows Condorcet is the superior method, but... Mm. Uh, wait, sorry, what did you just say? Condorcet. Condorcet. Condorcet? Get out of oh, here, yeah, Frenchie! French. God! Oh, God, the worst! <laughs> Uh, Condorcet is the best. Condorcet is the worst. <laughs> uh, that's that's just how it is. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, more happy news. Uh, California, uh, a few years ago, passed the law, and I think this was a ballot initiative. Um, but it, it, do you know, do you, David? Do you know if this was a ballot initiative that that was the law that said basically everyone in California is an employee, and there's there's no such thing as independent contractors anymore i feel like it wasn't but i'm not sure yeah, maybe i'm just assuming in. maybe i'm just assuming everything in california is a ballot initiative because they have such loose ballot initiative rules but yeah california passed a law severely limiting who could qualify as an independent contractor and when everyone's classified as employees that means they they get all these uh, worker protections and you have to give them health insurance and it's very expensive for employers so a lot of employers don't like it and what mostly it just leads to them eliminating these jobs um, and California has seen the light a bit on this and has um, repealed some of these regulations. So they're allowing a lot more um, different people to work as independent contractors. Um, and really the point of these, the law they passed in the first place was to screw over Uber and Lyft. Um, so they're still, they still uh, count as employees. 
they they're not allowing Uber and Lyft drivers to to qualify as independent contractors, but everyone else is uh, they can do it. Yeah. Uh, let us not remember because the theme of the episode and all that that the original version of this uh, uh, law actually badly screwed over journalists and every time a politician accidentally screws over journalists 100% guarantee that it will be hilarious <laughs> so was it was it journalists uh, ended up getting classified as employees so so papers couldn't uh, accept their submissions yeah you can yeah. only write three articles a year or something yep oh my god yeah it wasn't quite as bad as three articles a year but it was enough that basically all freelance journalists would have been uh out of work they'd have to either get officially hired on by one of the major publications or just get a new line of work or move out of the state to another state that isn't bad and terrible and stupid yeah but uh, moving uh, states really is hard also it was an assembly bill okay oh. uh oh, that actually makes sense because that's why the the assembly could repeal it uh, so they're backing off of that a little bit. So another step in the right direction. Um, speaking of steps in the right direction, our next piece is about uh, Afghanistan and the Taliban. Yeah, the Afghanistan uh, insurgents have finally begun talks with the Taliban to uh, stop killing each other, which I, I have mixed feelings about this because, like, the Taliban, really, really bad theocracy. I, I, that should not be really anyone subjected to their rule. But on the other hand, definitely better than uh, lawless murdering happening all the time between insurgents and governments trying to hold on to, well, I guess two different types of governments trying to hold on to the same chunk of land. And uh, really, just getting back to peace is a good step. After after we stop killing each other, then we can work on religious reform or whatever. Uh, the main thing that this struck me was when I heard this talk, it said that uh, they are finally set, uh, setting down for sitting down for t peace talks after 20 years of war. And that number was, first of all, a huge fucking number. But also, I remember when this war started and I was like, oh, my God, I am so old that I remember when 20 years ago, a 20 year war started. I, I really hate that. But uh, yeah, there's there's some people that I have co-hosted a podcast with who have uh, not been alive before Afghanistan was at war. So there we go. There we go. Uh, yeah. So I I ha honestly have even more mixed feelings about this. Um, in fact, so much so that I pro I probably still would have kept this in happy news, but it definitely would have been a few points up. Um, Pakistan has nuclear weapons. And so does India. And they kind of have, like, low-key wars a lot. And I feel like the big reason why that hasn't turned into full-blown shooting is because Pakistan is worried about Afghanistan's anarchy spilling over its own borders. So, like, in general, I feel like war's a bad thing. Hot takes here only, I know. But... Also, if ever there was a war that was doing good stuff, it would be the war that's keeping everyone in its region too nervous to actually start firing nuclear weapons at each other. So, yeah, it's, it's dumb and bad and I hate it. No, I'm going to stick with this as good news. Uh, 
I, I'm skeptical that this is uh, the thing preventing, you know, a larger nuclear war. But if it is, well, that sucks. Yeah. And hopefully these talks will actually result in peace as opposed to one of those two decade long peace talk processes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if they stop shooting at each other during the talks, that's a win in itself. Yeah. All right. But we're not done with the good news. We've got more good news. Um, this week, U.S. regulators approved uh, their first ever small commercial nuclear reactors. Uh, and there is a an energy cooperative that has plans to build 12 of them in Idaho. Uh, and this is, this is just awesome because everyone has been so anti-nuclear for so long. And I don't... I don't understand how people can be against climate change and not somewhat in favor of nuclear energy. Um, but it's, uh, you know, having these uh, small modular reactors, um, they can, they, they, they have the potential to transform the economics of nuclear. Because right now, um, one of the big things standing in the way of nuclear energy is that it's expensive. Um, there's a lot of regulatory hurdles and just building and maintaining the facilities are expensive. So it, it ends up being more per kilowatt hour than other energy sources. Um, but these small reactors might be able to change that. I remember hearing something about a small reactor um, in the you know breaking tech segment a number of years ago on a podcast. Are these like the ones that are small enough you can bury them and uh, that helps to keep them safe? Not that I know of. Okay. Well, uh, I just want to say you said you didn't know how someone could be against climate change and nuclear power. And to that, I just say, audience, (laughs) feel free to sing along at home if you know the words by now. We are living in the dumbest of all possible timelines. But getting less dumb. Yeah, Um, that is. That is a very optimistic take. Well, now we can make the small ones, so that's certainly a step in less dumb. Sure. Yeah. All right. And uh, this was – see, I I was going to save this one for the end. This was my best piece of news that I've heard. Mm. Um, But uh, we'll we'll see. There's there's another one after this. Um, There is – this is two pieces of good news in one because I didn't even know that this was a thing. But apparently – there is a species of turtle uh, called the Burmese roofed turtle, which looks like it's always smiling. And we'll post this the article in the show notes. You should click on it because this turtle is adorable. He's got a little smile. Uh, and the, the good news about this turtle is that they thought it was extinct. Um, there were a couple left, but they were, they were not reproducing, and they thought that the, it was the end for this turtle. Um, and apparently not. They, one has laid a clutch of eggs, and the researchers are all uh, quite, quite certain that this is going to, they're going to be able to um, save this turtle. Uh, so that's just, you know, we'll have, we'll have smiling turtles for the foreseeable future. Yay. I'm happy to hear that, too. All right, and now this is actually our last piece of happy news, Uh, and I'll let David uh, uh, tell you about this one. Yeah, so there are two kinds of polio. There is wild polio and vaccine-originating polio, because due to something about how polio works, the vaccines need to contain live polio, and sometimes it, um, like, the vaccines themselves are very low-dose, so they're very safe, 
but sometimes it does spread to other people, and um, that can actually lead to polio outbreaks. Vaccine-originating polio still exists in some parts of Africa, but wild polio has been declared extinct in Africa. Uh, so Hooray! There's still some places with vaccine-originating polio, and there's still wild polio in, I think, Afghanistan, uh, and maybe a couple of other places in the Middle East. But wild polio is gone in Africa. Friendly reminder, despite the whole pandemic thing, by and large, humanity is still kicking the four horsemen of the apocalypse's ass. Despite us being the dumbest possible timeline of humans, we're still winning, and that's pretty cool. Fuck yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. In that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send a soldier out on the battlefield. And we will start with David. Yeah, so this is actually some uh, late news because it actually happened before our previous episode uh, was recorded, but none of us noticed it. Uh, Shinzo Abe, who had, or Abe Shinzo, I'm still unclear about which one actually comes first. Um, but the, uh, long-standing Prime Minister of Japan has retired. Um, I believe he's still staying in office in some sort of provisional capacity, um, but largely handing things over to a, um, uh, undersecretary or whatever um, until the general elections later this year. Uh, I cannot shake the feeling that this is a really big deal, but neither I nor any of my co-hosts know much about Japanese politics, uh, certainly not enough to make it a whole segment. Uh, so I would like to put out a call for guests to come onto a bonus episode and tell me if slash why Shinzo Abe's retirement is a big deal, and also whether it's Shinzo Abe or Abe Shinzo, because that sounds like the kind of thing that we should probably resolve first. Uh, so yes, if you uh, are either someone who lives in Japan or some kind of expert on um, Asian geopolitics or otherwise think you can fill an hour with somewhat substantial uh commentary on if slash why this is a big deal uh please get in touch with us via any of the methods in the show notes and uh i will certainly be pushing very hard to have you on as a guest all right and even if you don't want to be a guest just like let us know why it's a big deal and we can just read that out in the worst case scenario all right uh Eniash, what have you got uh, before I start, I just want to say once again how awesome that wild polio thing is. I don't think we cheered it quite enough because we're running low on time, but that is really fucking great. And thank you again, David, for bringing that to my attention. I would not have known if you hadn't told me. Hmm, uh, you're welcome. For reference, uh, Eniash writes a blog called Death is Bad. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this is right in his wheelhouse. Although it very rarely has much to do about, with death. It's you know more a, a uh, statement of value than, than what the blog is actually about. Yeah, well, polio maims and cripples people, and your blog's not called Maiming and Crippling is Bad, so... 
Yes, but maiming and crippling is a step towards death, in my opinion. I I have come more to the conclusion lately that dying happens in pieces, usually, rather than all at once. Which will be my tube deployment next week, now that I think about it. Anyways, not, not that that's really controversial. I don't know. Anyways, this week's three deployment for Minyash is uh, Cyberspace was supposed to be a turbocharged reality. By which I mean uh, back when us uh, so-called cyberpunks in the day... Boomers. Shut up. I have never been a boomer in my life. We were we were Gen X, thank you very much. Uh, but no, uh, the cyberspace was always ultra-fast. Things happened at the speed of electrons. Uh, in basically all the pen and paper role-playing games that you played, uh, a turn in the real world would be equivalent to either 10 or 20, or in some cases even 100 turns in anyone who's jacked into cyberspace. Because you could just do everything so fast because computers are fast. Um, that sounds like a bad game that's bad. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible system, which is why it quickly changed uh, when people actually tried to play games. That's the worst game design I've ever heard of. Dude, having t one person who jacks into cyberspace and then they get ten turns for every one turn the rest of the party gets? Yeah, it was it was no bueno. You you really want to have your entire team in cyberspace at once, but then you... Anyways, I'm getting off topic again, sorry. Sorry, my fault. <laughs> uh, no, but... Uh, the real-life cyberspace is kind of the opposite, because uh, I, I, being a person who has been in forums a lot throughout my life, I've been recently on Discord again a lot after having abandoned social networks for a while, and it just reminds me how much fucking slower everything is on the internet. Having a conversation that you could have in 10 minutes in real life takes an hour or more over the internet because typing is much slower than talking, reading is slower than hearing what people are saying, and you just have to say so much more when your only medium is text. You don't have a tone of voice, you don't have hand gestures, you don't have body language, you don't have all the other means of communication that is at least 50% of the talking we do. So you have to make up for that with even more text, which takes ridiculously long, and I'm just really disappointed that the real cyberspace is this slow-ass tortoise stuck in molasses when we were supposed to be, you know, uber-fast exchanging all of our ideas and data, like, so much faster. The end. All right. And uh, my soldier this week is about the CDC. Um, it is bad. The CDC is bad, and you should stop listening to it. Um, I think we may have covered this last week, but they were they were telling people to that you don't need to get a COVID test if you've come in contact with someone you know had covid which is the exact opposite of what you need to do that Why is they say that? because donald trump doesn't want people to have positive tests he wants oh the numbers God. to go down and the cdc has been completely captured by the trump re-election campaign so at least from now till the election just ignore the cdc they are bad they are lying to you and they are doing it on purpose um, because the president wants you to be misled and doesn't want you to get tested. Um, so uh, don't listen to the CDC. Ignore everything they have to say. And read Svee's blog. So you remember that part in Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality where Harry's Slytherin side is, like, saying cynical stuff and then it ends with, also, we need to find a way to keep track of all the times I'm right. <laughs> yes. You guys should just skip to anarcho-capitalism and save yourself the time already. 
I'm not going to do that, but I wish I had a good rebuttal for why I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because the anarcho-capitalists would form a government immediately. But, you know. Yeah, there's that. that's, a, that's a whole different episode. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, please follow us on whatever uh, podcast listening software you you choose. We're on pretty much all of them. Um, leave us a review if you love us or hate us. We'll take uh, we'll take all of your feedback, no matter what. Um, speaking of feedback, you can get at us on the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord, or you can email us at themindkillerpodcast.com got something to say um say something smart we'll read it out on the next episode and uh, we'll all uh respond to it um and uh come back in two weeks we'll be back at our regular time same rat time same rat channel Peace. Bye.